Bonjour everyone, welcome to our first episode of our love series on Presque Parisien. I'm your co-host Kelly. And I'm Dilara, bonjour tout le monde. So today we're recording at the Blues Planche, uh, which is a lovely bar in uh, Rue Faubourg Saint-Antoine, uh, very close to where I live. <laughs> uh, Kelly and I have been here before, the terrace is amazing and it's a really co cozy, nice place. Before we start actually, today we wanted to say a huge thank you for all of you who gave us a rating and especially for Olin, Chris and Yannick who left us reviews on Apple Podcasts. This helps us massively to get visibility on the search engine. So if you haven't done that yet, uh, we'd highly appreciate if you could do so, please. Thank you. Yep, thanks guys. Since Valentine's Day is approaching, we wanted to use this as a reason to have another mini-series on the show. Um, today's episode is mostly about love, sexuality and relationships and how they're experienced in Paris in comparison to how people outside of Paris think that we love them. The next week we'll be talking about why Paris is considered as the city of love. And for today though, we're going to take a stab at multiple stereotypes and prove them to be either right or wrong. Is it true that the French have multiple lovers? Are French really good lovers? And are women hard to get? So let's find out. Delara, I think you wanted to start with the concept of libertine and the evolution of its meaning, right? Yes, so let's talk about libertine or libertin first because I think it really lays the ground uh, very well for this episode. So Kelly, what comes into your mind when you first think about the word libertine? So firstly, the word libertine for me gives me connotations of like 18th century dandies. You know, they're rocking up to women wearing fancy silk clothes, probably pink. Um, <laughs> they're seducing them with like corset busting efficiency. There's women swooning everywhere. Um, but it also makes me think of the 60s as well, mm -hmm. um, the decade of free love, swinging, multiple partners when you're high and naked and probably listening to the doors. <laughs> um, this is the sort of imagery it conjures up for me. Yeah, okay, that's also more or less what I thought, but mine was obviously less imaginative than yours. <laughs> I simply thought it meant that you're open to being in open relationships. Okay. Yeah, but I found out that it's actually the modern definition of it. There's a really good podcast episode on this from Navigating French, which you can find on the show notes, and they explain the history. So basically the concept was born in France during the 17th century as a rebellion against the church to define oneself free, so libre, uh, from the concept of religion. Then it evolved during the 18th century as an identity for choosing whom you love or marry. Because back then it was your class or the church who chose whom you marry. So being a libertine uh, meant that you're free to choose your lover. Then it kept evolving as a concept of someone who has many lovers, but I would say in a more uh, patriarchal way, as defining men who concur the hearts of as many women as possible. Mm -hmm. So the famous examples of these are uh, Marquis de Sade or mm -hmm. Cosanova. Mm -hmm. Although he's Italian, his works were in French, mm -hmm. uh, as Edith de Belleville explains in this episode. Mm -hmm. So if we look into the current day meaning of this word, it's again an identity label for someone who's polyamorous or someone who's free to have different kinds of sexual experiences. Right. 
So when it's practiced in its true sense, it has nothing to do with man conquering woman anymore, but it's about consent, safety, and equality. Uh, so the evolution of this world word actually explains how all these stereotypes that we will discuss today were born. Okay. Also, I think it's important to say I think we're gonna look at look at this topic in a more heteronormative way. Okay, Kelly, let's start with the Frenchmen being good lovers. What's your take on this? <laughs> That's such a direct question, Delara. <laughs> like I haven't been keeping score. You know, I don't know. Um, but no, seriously, this stereotype has been enduring for decades, like probably even centuries. The more modern um, reason for this stereotype, I think, comes from French pop culture and like French movie stars, you know, the likes of like Alain Delon, Yves Montand, and their ilk, who were known womanizers. Mm -hmm. um, they seduced uh, their beautiful American co stars mm -hmm. very famously, uh, Marlon Monroe, James Fonda, for oh, example. Yeah. And then there's Serge Gainsborough um, and Jane Birkin, famous lovers and creators of um, Je t'aime one en plus, which famously has Jane Birkin's heavy breathing, so I guess Serge must have been doing just fine, you know. <laughs> um, these are quite old examples, but like there are millions of examples in pop popular culture of French men being cast as the seducer or the temptation for women. I think that this ongoing trope has given French men the belief that they are the best lovers because they are told this through this stereotype and it maybe it gives them a bit more confidence to be good lovers or at least try to be. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's all it is though. In general, I find French men to be quite passionate and alluring. The accent, the language, they dress well. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm sorry, but I do find French guys actually really sexy and they tend to be quite chivalrous and if you are ultimately attracted to that to a person and they do and they say all the right things then that will obviously translate the bedroom yeah <laughs> so obviously my point on this will be subjective uh, i come from a conservative culture so i had quite traumatic experiences i'd say but living here for almost a decade of mostly single life I had my fair share of nationalities. I haven't been keeping count either. <laughs> but I would say yes, French men and women are good lovers in bed. I guess like I can come out in the podcast now, like I'm bisexual. <laughs> uh, and I would say like there is a lot of variety. Like I don't know how to explain this without going into detail, but <laughs> just like how the French had a vast portfolio for food like their palate for desire is also quite vast yeah okay uh, and i think this is mostly related to being open-minded about sex okay so that's another stereotype right is that the french are really sexually liberated i would say yes however note that sex is seen as a part of private life so you won't talk about your own sexual life public uh, growing up in turkey having lived a year in the u.s I'd say especially men in these countries do talk about their sexual lives mm. publicly. Okay. This of course depends on whom you're talking uh, with, but my observation is that even amongst your friend, friends in France, you don't discuss your own sexual life. Okay. Yet sex is an open subject, you can easily bring it up without any shame around it, even at a, like, a family dinner table. What? Who would do that? Why would you do that? Well, I'm not gonna name names here, but yeah, I did see this happening. So this liberalism around sex as a subject uh, is linked to two things, I'd say. Religion and cultural context. 
And I found an article on Frenchly that explains this quite well. Relationship and sex therapist Ian Corner says being ashamed of sex is connected to Puritan religion roots in countries like the US, mm-hmm. whereas in France, sex and religion are disconnected, as we explained earlier in the episode. So there is this religious context, which psychotherapist Esther Perel also agrees with. I don't know if you know her. Mm-hmm. She's quite famous as the sex guru in the US, and I love her work. Uh, she says French are not necessarily more sexual, but they're more comfortable with relationships and sexuality. Okay. She links it with this cultural context, saying that in France, we believe that friendships between men and women is possible. Whereas in the States, there is this sexual tension and ambiguity, which is also the case in Turkey. I was absolutely shocked when I saw mixed friends groups, like not couples, just hanging out as friends in cafes and all. Uh, Because in Turkey, you don't really see that. So yes, in a nutshell, French have this religious and cultural context that is built to uh, sexual liberation, uh-huh. yet your own sexual life is still private and not a topic of discussion. Right. Uh, now, Kelly, this friendship concept between men and women makes me immediately think of cheating, because mm. I grew up thinking if a man is friends with a woman, all he wants to do is to have sex with her. This is horrible, uh, I know. But that's the association I have in my mind and this actually uh, makes me think of the stereotype that French people are not loyal, they have multiple lovers. I've even read about this in my French textbooks when I was trying to learn French. So what's your take on this? So I've also heard um, this stereotype of married French men taking a mistress. It's kind of hard to find any date on it because for obvious reasons no one really wants to brag about it. but there is a the 2014 study which found that 55% of French men and 32% of French women had admitted to cheating on their spouse or significant other. Just 47% of the French say that it's morally unacceptable for married people to have an affair. The lowest percentage among 39 nations that were surveyed in 2013 by the Pew Research Centre. That was 10 years ago. Mm. I think that number might actually have increased in 10 years. <laughs> Yeah, I think so too. But let's mention two really famous examples mm-hmm. of this. Um, the first one was Felix Four. He was a president between 1895 and 1899, and the reason I mention him is because he was rumoured to have died in his office while his mistress was giving him oral. <gasps> Can you imagine? Oh, I didn't know about this. <laughs> <laughs> so only only rumours. Uh, it, it was never it was never uh, confirmed that that's what happened. Mm. Uh, the second one is uh, François Mitterrand. The socialist mm-hmm. president, he had a whole other secret family with his mistress. This was extremely famous when it broke, and it was a huge national scandal. Indeed, but I think the scandal was not because he had a mistress and a family with them. It was because he was using government funds to fund his second family. Okay, yes. Mm-hmm. That's pretty scandalous as well, yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. But um, still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a concept here called the five to seven. Sanka said, which is basically the time that you'll finish work, you'll have sex with your mistress, <laughs> and then you'll go home for dinner with the family and maybe with some kids. We'll put a link to a cute article about this in the show notes. So well known is the concept of five to seven here that there are hotels in Paris which offer rates for those hours specifically for extramarital affairs. Oh wow. Crazy. There is a movie also called Five to Seven, in French it's called Le, F- Le Femme du Diplomat. 
and it's rated 7.1 on IMDb. Mm. So I, I've never seen it, but I might go ahead and watch that myself. Mm. So what do you think counts as cheating? Well, <laughs> this episode is a full list of trigger warning subjects for me. Uh, because again, I grew up thinking men would have multiple lovers as the norm. Uh, there is so much vocabulary around husbands having mistresses in Turkish language, it really makes me sick to my stomach, honestly. Uh, but anyway, I may be a liberal in many areas of life, but not this one. And I don't see it as a question of jealousy, personally, but as a question of respect. Uh, I've cheated on people and other people have cheated on me. This is something you do to another person without their consent and you hurt them. It's an absolute deal breaker for me in a relationship. Uh, now that being said, defining what counts as cheating and agreeing on that with your partner first hand is one of the most critical foundations of a healthy relationship. But that's my opinion. I met many men in Paris flirting with me and saying that their partner is completely okay for them to flirt with others and then I met their partners saying that it's completely the opposite. Mm, okay. It's horrible honestly. So for me, any inter interaction that includes desire with someone else counts as cheating. Flirting, kissing, touching, whatever. I also absolutely hate it when someone who I am with stares at another person with desire. I find it really disrespectful. Uh, however, like when I mention this to my French friends, they think I'm mad, like I'm a super jealous person. But when I talk about it with my Middle Eastern, African or Eastern European friends, they absolutely agree with me. So I guess this is very much cultural. So as you mentioned before, it's not unusual for the French to be in platonic relationships with the other sex. Men and women will like happily go out to dinner and spend time with each other, even if the other person is married. This is acceptable and that's probably why you get that reaction mm -hmm. when you mention this to French people. It's also worth noting as well that it's not uncommon for people to continue to hang out with their exes after a relationship has ended. Um, for me, cheating comes down to like, the two things, the physical and the emotional. If you kiss someone or you sleep with someone else while you're in a committed relationship that you've not agreed to open it up, then yes, obviously you're cheating. Yeah. I say this only because I am an outrageous flirt myself, but I would never openly flirt with someone who I know is in a committed relationship because I agree it is completely disrespectful and I would always back off. Emotional cheating is when you seek, well again for me, is when you seek comfort, validation or simply an emotional connection with someone who's not your committed partner. Now obviously you can have this with your friends and it's not cheating, but if you're speaking to someone else with a hint of sexual chemistry or flirtation and your partner doesn't know and you would not be comfortable showing them the messages that you're exchanging with that person, mm -hmm. then I would say you're cheating. Yeah, I agree with all of those about. <laughs> so let's talk about love a little bit. There's this other stereotype around French people falling in and out of love so easily. What do we think of this one? This is super subjective. I mean, it's also a generalization, right? Yeah. My answer will obviously be completely based on my personal experience. I personally find this to be true only because things get quite serious pretty fast and quickly with the French. Mm. Um, there is this example so many people give. Oh, we kissed. Uh, uh, okay, now we're in a relationship. <laughs> 
and I had this with so many people. It's as if the concept of the talk that we know in the American culture doesn't fully exist there. So there is another example of how you find yourself in a relationship much too quickly when you're here, and that is, has he told his mum about you? Oh, yes, that's a a good one. If if he's told his mum about you, you guys are in a relationship, is it? (laughs) Yeah, but like the talk, I need the talk. (laughs) Because for me, until we had the talk of exclusivity, it meant that we were in a non-exclusive situationship which I actually very much enjoyed because it allowed me the space to make an informed decision. Uh, So I could still see others and they would as well and it wouldn't be counted as cheating. However, for the vast majority of the people I dated, it was more exclusive dating, not seeing anyone else, but it wasn't like a full-on serious relationship either. It was more casual. Mm, I I guess it goes without saying, never make assumptions in any relationship. Always clarify, or else you may find yourself in something that you really didn't sign up for. Yeah. I think that this, like, falling in love too easily stereotype is, Mm -hmm. like, a bit of a cop-out and an easy way for men and women who don't want to commit and want to have multiple partners whenever it suits them. Now, you said it yourself that you have enjoyed, like, Mm non-exclusive situationships, and you know what? I have too, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with enjoying playing the field as long as you're communicating and as long as you don't Mm -hmm. hurt someone. The flip side of that is don't catch feelings for your situationship. It will go nowhere. Accept it for what it is. And you know what? It's usually not love. Mm-hmm. That's my point. Um, you won't read like Charles Baudelaire writing poetry on non-exclusive situationships. Like This is a very modern way of dating. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. And in terms of like love, I yes, I heard people say I love you to me way sooner than expected. But I actually never believed that it was love Mm. it was more like the idea of love maybe and it always made me doubt the person I said to myself if they think they love me this soon it means that they're in love with the idea of me Mm. the character uh, they built in their heads the idea of the relationship that they want we did talk about this during our staying episode as well I felt like if someone was to love someone so soon, it meant that they were desperate to find love. And I have to admit, it really gave me the ick. Mm. I did quite an intensive research on this, I won't (laughs) lie. And from other people's anecdotes and their experiences with the French, what I understand is that it's like, we're together and in love today, we enjoy this moment as it is, but it will end. Mm. So like falling in love too quickly and out of love too quickly as well. I don't know, maybe having this joie de vivre kind of mentality around the relationships, maybe they have that, you know? You know, I've been I've been love bombed too and it is the worst. You know, Mm. there's far too much attention too soon, over eager to tell me like how amazing I am and then for some reason never want to hang out and then they just vanish, you know, they're just gone. It's such a strange mentality. Um, I don't understand men who would do it. And, uh, you know, you're right, ick is like the perfect word. I think that simply you both have to be on the same page to, to accept and agree on joie de vivre, which ironically takes out the spontaneity and the romance of it. But it's modern love as it is. Yeah. What can you do, you know? Yeah. So let's go into another stereotype. This is probably not a well-known one amongst the international community, but a very common one with the French community. They say that Parisian women are hard to get or they play hard to get. What do you think? Do you think it's true? 
this is a really hard one. Um, it was really hard to find any data on, so this my, my response is mostly anecdotal. Yeah, it's true. Parisian women have a reputation in general for being aloof and judgmental and not particularly friendly. You know, sometimes I've felt it even just trying to make friends here, never mind trying to date any of them, you know. <laughs> um, for men to say that women are, like, hard to get, it probably comes down to the men themselves, actually. <laughs> There's been so many protests and campaigns about street harassment that women experience, obviously not just in Paris, but mm -hmm. all over France. Remember when we were in Nice, right? And we both noticed men just like stand around in the street and just say things like, hey, beautiful, when you walk past, or like, what's up, pretty lady? And you and I were like, what yeah. the, what is this? Like, it was disgusting. It was gross, you know? And like the worst thing about it was that there were younger girls who were falling for it and they were actually engaging with these creeps. Do you remember? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do. Um, so, so the point is, is that women do not want to be catcalled on the street. Women don't want to be approached and aggressively told that they're a whore or a bitch for refusing to give their number to some random guy. Mm. So to me, it's absolutely no wonder that women are closed and defensive when men generally trying to engage with them. Mm -hmm. And that's in real life. You then have the messaging on the dating apps that you have and it's like, here's a photo of my dick and send me some nudes, <laughs> shall it? It's gross, you yeah. know? So if you approach a woman with respect, it's a pretty low bar, guys, you know? Yeah. Just, that's all we're looking for is a bit of respect if you're going to approach us. Then we probably will be more open to engaging with you. Mm -hmm. So regarding the stereotype, first of all, I want to say how ironic this is when it comes from Parisian men. Mm. And yes, I've heard it so many times, exclusively from the men I've been on dates with from the apps. Uh, they put it out there as if it's like a compliment, like, well, you're not Parisian and that's why I like you. Mm. Um, it's the common, you're not like the other girls comment, yeah. uh, where men put women in a competition like this just by trashing other women. Mm. What a red flag. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The opposite of this comes as a pick me woman. Uh, I mean, don't we all love serving the patriarchy? It's disgusting. Uh, but I was talking about this with my partner and he made an interesting comment, which I never thought of actually. It also comes off as a Parisian woman are hard to get and I'm dating you because you're easy, mm. you know? So no matter what the intention of this generalization comes from, it doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. You know, you're right, like the equation of us to not being French and probably seen as easier than like French women because and then also because French men are so irresistible and have a stereotype of being great lovers yeah. it really makes for a really troubling way of looking at French women and women in general actually for that matter yeah so now we talked about libertine and sexual liberation earlier so should we talk a little bit about um, nudism and naturism a little bit because France is like the number one country in the world for this. Um, it has the most nudist and naturist beaches, 609 to be oh, exact. Wow. And I know that you've been to some of these places, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I have. And I really uh, want to do an entire episode on this because it's such an interesting topic. However, since we're linking this to sexual liberation, I think it's important to mention the differences in these terms. Okay. So naturism is more of a lifestyle and it's being a part of nature and nudity without any sexual context to it. Okay. There are many naturist beaches and campsites in France and any public sexual activity here is banned. They're family friendly and non-sexual. And then there are nudist places where again you can be publicly naked and in some of these places 
public sexual activity is allowed. Okay. So the places I like going to are the non-sexual ones. Right. Now, we're, if we're talking about sexual liberty around nudism, I'd say this is more within the libertine culture. Uh, so we actually come a full circle here. Within the libertine culture, there are many different kinds of interests. You can be exhibitionist, fetish, BDSM, swinger, all that stuff. Um, the most famous place for this is Cap Tag in the southeast of France. And there are so many clubs and saunas in Paris and all over France. So if that's your thing, I'd say there is variety, availability and accessibility here. Okay. Do we have a quote today, Delara? Yes, uh, so it's from the author of The Little Prince, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. Uh -huh. uh, so he said, the only reason to love is love. What do you think? Oh yes. I think there's lots of reasons to love. <laughs> love is obviously the main reason. Mm -hmm. It's not the only one. Yeah, I, I chose it because, again, with this like French falling in, in love with the idea of love, yeah. I think that this quote proves that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I would say so. It's very in keeping with the theme, but yeah, I could probably argue for more than just love is necessary. Oh, definitely, definitely. No, I, I do not agree with it. Yeah. yeah. The same way that I don't agree with like John Lennon when he says all you need is love. <laughs> no, da, 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 da. no, all I need is uh, money. <laughs> Bitch, better have my money. <laughs> well, thanks everyone for listening to this episode on Libertine from Press Parisienne. I uh, hope it's been entertaining and informative. Please give us a follow on Instagram if you're not already there at Press Parisienne Podcast. Don't forget that we have launched our Ask Us Anything. Please feel free to post any questions on our Instagram, DM us, or send us an email with your questions. And at the, if you're listening on Spotify, there is a survey at the end of the episode. You can ask your question there. Perfect. Okay. We will see you for our next episode on the City of Love. Au revoir. Bye, everyone. Ciao.